Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeRoad.com NFL Strategy Show. Another showdown edition as the season draws closer to an end. But we're still doing them. We're still going to do them every time we have one, whether it's Christmas Day, whether it's Saturday. There's no better place to be than right here, the AwesomeRoad.com YouTube channel. I'm Dave Lochran with you once again at Lafay underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And with me, Matt Gajeski, Matt underscore Gajeski on the Twitters. Matt, what's going on, dude? Not too much, man. You and I were talking before show. I am particularly excited for this slate because of the premier fullbacks we have. Do we have two Pro Bowl fullbacks in this game? <laughs> Do fullbacks make the Pro Bowl anymore? I don't know, man. I hope so because Alec Ingold, Gabe Neighbors, man, both of them scored at least one touchdown this year. <laughs> you had mentioned that Ingold in the uh, the Raiders' first game at their new stadium was their first touchdown score. And uh, I remember that vividly because everyone was remember that segment they used to do. Maybe it was like NFL Network or ESPN or whatever, where they'd say that helps no one. And it was a fantasy segment. You remember that? Yes. Fantasy segment where it was that helps no one. And it would be random touchdown scores, linebackers. Um, Mike Tolbert was like, I feel like he was on there every other week, the big bowling ball. Uh, and I remember you're right. Alec Engel had that touchdown same game. Darren Waller went off and the Raiders uh, shocked the world with that win against a very good saints team. So this should be a fun one today, Matt, you've got the Raiders, uh, against a, uh, just highly underwhelming and uninspired chargers team that should be much better than they are. The Raiders are laying three points, uh, 29 point and 28 point implied total 25 for the chargers, which means this game has a plump 53-point total, Matt. We're expected to see some scoring. Plump, I like it. Yeah, man, I'm plump, really excited robust, about the game. Rotund. Any of the adjectives describing, yeah, a, a high-scoring game, I'm all for it, man. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for DFS. I like that there's plenty of options on both sides. There's some uncertainty in each of these games, potentially leading to some low ownership, and it's mainly coming from the Chargers, a couple of those injuries that you and I, I'm sure, will talk about. But – a lot of the star players on L.A. coming into this game injured. All right. Well, I guess it's uh, time to dive into it. But before we do, we're happy to have all of you guys with us. As always, if you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up. And if you like what we do here, maybe we helped you along the way. You've heard this before. But if you're new, listen up. And maybe we've changed your thought process when it comes to DFS. You want a little bit of money. It's all you. But maybe we guided you in the right direction. You don't even have to like us, but if you like our content, hit that subscribe button. Help us get over that 50K mark. That's your Christmas present to us. And you know what? You won't regret it. It'll show up on your recommended feed, your search. Uh, it'll show up on your homepage. Like the, 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 I guess it's a homepage, Matt. I don't know. Uh, easier in the search feature, and you'll always see when we're live. So subscribe, hit that thumbs up, and let's get ready to rock. I'm still out of breath, man. We got like 20 inches of snow. My snowblower stops working halfway through it. Been an absolute mess. I'm out there yesterday. We got six inches, and I start getting – you ever been on a wave runner, a jet ski? Yeah. You ever been on a jet ski when it's raining and gets stuck out in the rain? No, I, I, it doesn't sound that bad, though. I like yard work, too. I'll, no, no, I'll no. shove your snow lafayette. Oh, but the problem is, anyone that's watching it would know that's done this. It feels like you're getting – like someone's just lighting you up with BB guns. 
because you're on a wave, right? a jet ski, you're cruising and you're just getting pelted. That's what it felt like yesterday. And I was walking at precisely a half a mile per hour. So um, we're here though. Never miss a show. Time to make it happen. Let's dive into it, Matt. We've got uh, on the road, you've got this Chargers team. Again, they've just really disappointed through and through this season. And there's really been nothing about them that you look at and say, wow, they should win this game. When you look at the roster, they've got a great offense. They have a ton of key defensive pieces, but they consistently lose one possession games. They find ways to lose one possession games. And, well, Anthony Lynn is almost certainly on his way out the door at the conclusion of this season. So let's kick it off with the pass catchers here, and we'll start with Keenan Allen. What are we doing with the big K.A., who's been one of the preeminent wide receivers all season long? If he plays, I think you just got to play Keenan Allen. And he has double-digit targets in his last four games, 28% target share. And I think we should highlight that L.A. is running the fastest offense in football. Not all target shares are created equal. You can ask Marquise Brown, who's 25% target share, or so I'm exaggerating, leads to six targets per game. In the case of Keenan Allen, in his last four games, 19 targets, 10 targets, 11 targets, and 11 targets in a game where he missed a few snaps because of his hamstring injury. If he plays, and this is a big if, according to Pelissero, an NFL reporter, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are legit game-time decisions. True game-time decisions, they called it. Yeah, true game-time decisions. So this is going to lead to a lot of uncertainty. It's going to make live before lock all the more important. Yeah, that's a great call. We've got live before lock and live before live before lock. Um, you know, if you're MME, hopefully you have a process in place to be able to make changes there. Now, as the difference, though, Matt, with game time decisions for football and basketball is basketball, you might not legitimately know until 10 minutes before that game tips off. A game time decision for football, you'll at least know if the player is active about an hour, hour and a half in advance of the start of kickoff. Yeah, it makes building lineups a little bit easier. You don't, if, for basketball, I mean, sometimes I essentially will just build two different sets of lineups. And this is more, I play more college than pro. I need, I know in pro, sometimes you guys don't even know who's going to be questionable or sometimes late scratch before like 10 minutes before the game. You're like, all right, well, so-and-so is not playing. But in football, luckily, we do not have to deal with that. All right. So with Keenan Allen, true game time decision. Mike Williams, also true game time decision. And Austin Eckler, questionable, but expected to play. Let's break it down in both ways. So, you did it a little bit, but let's dive into this a little bit more. Again, strategy show, showdown, no stone unturned. You've heard it once. You've heard it a million times from me. Uh, if Allen is out and Williams plays, Williams is not extraordinarily cheap, but he's also pretty affordable, 6,200 in the flex. That's compared to 11,000 for Keenan Allen, the flex. Mike Williams, 9,300 in the captain spot. If Keenan Allen sits and Mike Williams plays, what are we doing? I think Mike Williams becomes arguably the best play of the entire slate. I think either Hunter Henry or Mike Williams would lead the team in targets. I would give a slight edge to Mike Williams here just because of the position he plays. And outside of that, I mean, he's competing with Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton for targets. And I know Tyron Johnson had a pretty good game last week in place of Mike Williams, but he still is not Mike Williams. Mike Williams, he is the de facto number one receiver if Keenan Allen misses time. And he is criminally underpriced. Among highlight reels of all of the big plays from across the NFL this season, if you took the top 50, Mike Williams would probably have eight of them. Like, the, <laughs> the guy makes absurd catches. It's just the volume hasn't been there. Now, if Mike Williams sits, does it really have a big impact on Keenan Allen? Because obviously the other way around is far more significant. Keenan Allen being a target monster, averaging north of 10 targets per game on the season. He's been targeted double-digit times uh, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of 13 games, Matt, uh, the, the, the targets, the, the volume is absolutely absurd. If you take him off of the field, Mike Williams becomes an immediate top option. But if you take Mike Williams off the field, does that influence your decision all that much for Keenan Allen, or does it just make Guyton a significantly better option? 
I think you said it best. Keenan Allen's target volume is locked in. It's not going to matter one way or another whether Williams plays, but Williams' absence, I do think it elevates Guyton. I think it elevates players like Hunter Henry, who already has a 16.5% target share. And Tyron Johnson was the primary beneficiary of the absence of Mike Williams. Jalen Guyton is already an every down receiver for this team. He's on the field most snaps already. Now, Tyron Johnson was the direct replacement for Williams, and he's the one that benefited the most with seven targets. He doesn't really have any games close to that in targets this year, so I think we might be buying into a little bit of small sample size here. Jalen Guyton is cheaper, and he has a more locked-in role compared to Tyron Johnson over the course of the year. All right, so would you be willing to lock Mike Williams into the captain spot? Would you, in any case, if Allen is out, consider throwing Guyton into the captain spot, throwing caution to the wind and saying, I can do literally anything else I want to do with this lineup? What would your process be there? I think you can do either. Mike Williams becomes someone I think you can captain in all formats because his role is going to be so strong. Guyton, I think, is more of a large field play just because his target share isn't quite as strong as someone like Williams, even when Keenan Allen's healthy. Guyton is pretty clearly their number four pass catcher behind Allen, behind Williams, behind Hunter Henry, and you could even argue he's number five behind Eckler. So the target share for Guyton is just going to be a little more volatile, and I think that makes him a better play in large field tournaments. Yeah, right now, you're... Uh... Top's plays tool over at awesomeo.com has Keenan. Of course, we have Keenan Allen in at the moment. He is, he has the one, two, three, fifth highest top player probability, which I actually thought it might be a little bit higher than that, but it's not, Matt. He's below Josh Jacobs, Eckler, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Uh, His captain spot ownership right now is 13.4%, though. So if you're looking at those numbers, you might say, uh, maybe I go elsewhere, but he's still a phenomenal, phenomenal play. Uh, and then in the utility uh, or him being two through six, finishing as the top two through six player, you got him at 39%. Hunter Henry, though, uh, coming in at 3% in the captain spot, looking at only around 23% projected ownership in the utility spot. What are we? Th- what are our thoughts on Henry here? Eighty-seven hundred dollars if you're rostering a, a captain. Fifty-eight hundred dollars on DraftKings, of course, in the utility. Dude, I've lost so much money playing Hunter Henry <laughs> this year, and his role is so good. I remember in the beginning of the year, you, I, and Kyle would talk on our Wednesday show all the time. Like they're throwing to touchdowns to everyone except Hunter Henry, like Donald Parr and Tyron Johnson. That Jaguars game had three guys that no one knew who they were at the time that scored. Yeah, and you look at Henry's target share, I mean, at 16.5%, that's one of the better tight end shares in football. In his last four games, he only has one game below seven targets. The role is crazy for Henry. He just hasn't gotten in the end zone. So with the ownership we're seeing here, which is honestly is egregiously low, I'm going to be playing a lot of Henry. Okay. Yeah, at that price point, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, look, outside of the the expected backup quarterbacks being in that 6,000 range, right? Cause all of them, they just price all of these guys at $6,000 every single week uh, just in case something happens. Well, outside of that, Henry is your net, like there's that, that barrier, right? That threshold, man, you have all the guys above the quarterbacks and then you have all like the mostly cheap guys below those quarterbacks. He's right below them. And that has been a dead range in many weeks where You make a lineup. You and I have built many lineups on the show and you keep coming back, landing in that 6K range and there's nothing there. Well, Hunter Henry definitely provides us something there at 5,800. Outside of that, are there any other pass catchers you're willing to even entertain the notion of playing? Maybe somebody really cheap, maybe someone that's going vastly overlooked and getting zero ownership for the Chargers? I think the only argument you can make is sometimes Justin Herbert, even the guys that play 12, 15 snaps will receive targets a handful of times. And you mentioned that Jaguars game, Donald Parham's the min price. He doesn't play a lot, but he receives targets every once in a while. And if you're talking Millie maker style tournaments, those guys sometimes end up in optimal lineup. So Parham stands out. Maybe you, if you know, if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both missed the game. Maybe you see someone like Joe Reed on the field a little bit more, but I'm probably not trying to play much of these guys, if any at all. All right. Well, at the running back position, you have one of the most electric players in the league who has, when healthy this season, had monster games for the most part, of course, Matt. Uh, Against Carolina, 
Eckler popped off for 31, 24 and, uh, against Buffalo. He was targeted 16 times in that game. He had a big-time down game against New England when he was pretty chalky and then bounced back in that field goal win, surprising because they usually lose by a field goal, uh, over the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. 24 fantasy points. He, was, he had nine receptions on nine targets. He also carried the ball 15 times. So when you're looking at this, I'm, I'm throwing the New England game out of the window. It means nothing to me. He still saw 19 looks or 17 looks in a game that they lost by 45 points and were down out of the gate with the defensive touchdowns for the New England or the New England Patriots. So throw that out the window. Look at the last two games or the two games since he started. Uh, so since he returned in week four, sorry, because he was out since week five, 25 targets and 29 carries. You can't ask for better volume than that, especially in full point PPR formats like DraftKings. You really can't. And I'm honestly surprised the ownership isn't a little bit higher. I know sometimes in these showdown slates, we talk about ownership being high on individual players. And for Eckler, it is high. It's coming in just north of 50%. But there are situations like this where I'm honestly not sure it's high enough. And in the captain slot at 12.5%, I'm not sure that's high enough. So this might be a place to take a stand and go over the field. Eckler's opportunity is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's okay that Justin Jackson and Kalen Blasher coming in and siphoning a little bit of work. You and I have also talked about this on Island Games with LA before. They're running so many raw plays that you can see Kalen Balage and Justin Jackson come in, siphon off a few touches, but Eckler's role is still largely unchanged. He's still approaching 20 touches per game because LA is running so many raw plays. All right. I actually forgot to ask you something and it's pretty important. And, you know, like I said, we don't want to miss anything on this show, Matt. So, Let's assume that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams sit. You might have mentioned this. I was reading chat, so my apologies. Heard that before. Uh, if if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams sit, we already know about Guyton, but KJ Hill has played 13 and 22% of snaps over the last two weeks. This is not a guy that inspires much confidence in any of us, but he was targeted uh, once in each game, meaning that he's at least on the field. He's somewhat involved in the offense to the literally the smallest extent. But if both of those guys sit, is KJ Hill one of, or is he the top option at the dead min $200? He is, and he is a direct replacement for Keenan Allen. KJ Hill is a slot only receiver. He played only in the slot at Ohio State, late round draft pick coming out of college as a senior. He basically is just your direct replacement for Keenan Allen. Tyron Johnson is a strict boundary receiver. He's your replacement for Mike Williams. And Guyton's already on the field every single snap. So that's how I think it'll shake out. K.J. Hill in the slot, Tyron Johnson on the outside, and Guyton is your third receiver also on the outside. There's so many if-what scenarios. But we got to talk about them. What? We got to talk about them, though. You were right. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. If, If you watch this show, we want you to come away with it saying, all right, if this happens... You know, this is some, and it's not even, if this happens, this is what these guys say to do. No, it's, if this happens, this guy gets worked into the offense. If this happens, he gets more volume. He plays more snaps. As long as you have that information, it's really all that matters, right? Like our opinions in that sense are are way secondary to just understanding what the offense should look like, Matt, in the event that some of these players are in or out. Yeah, and for sure with LA in particular, even if, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams miss the game. We're still dealing with a team just because of how many plays they run. Like KJ Hill, his target volume, he could backdoor his way into just raw PPR points. You know, KJ Hill gets six targets, five catches, all low A dot. Well, you just got at least five points and then whatever yardage he racks up out of a min price receiver. Man, there's people in chat saying Eckler on a short week with a hamstring or with a quad. Uh, I'm fading him. Well, I don't know the point. I, I, first of all, it's not a hamstring. From everything I'm seeing, Eckler's dealing with a quad injury. I if might have said a hamstring. If that was me, I apologize. I, I know if you did, my my fault uh, for not listening to you. But in chat, <laughs> uh, in chat, we've got people talking about the hamstring too. Here, here's what I would say about Austin Eckler, Matt. Uh, for me, it's pretty simple. We talk about a short week, but. We're also talking about a Chargers team that has absolutely zero incentive to play Austin Eckler if he's not 100%. If you want to try and take the argument further than that, then, you know, feel free to do so. But I'm telling you right now, Anthony Lynn is 
someone that has made many poor decisions this season and likely won't be around for long. But the Chargers are four and nine. They have no shot of making the playoffs. Matt, if Eckler is not at full capacity, at full strength, I don't see any reason why they would bother risking his health. I'll tell you one, Anthony Lynn's coaching for his job. So if he needs wins to secure maybe even a second chance at another season, I think we'll see Eckler. I mean, you can play this both ways. And you What's and I are the difference between six and 10 and five and 11 or four and not like, or four. probably not much. And it probably doesn't matter. Honestly, he could probably win both games and still get fired. But think about him as a coach. He's got to put out his best effort if he wants any semblance of a chance to re- retain his job. And I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I we, we can talk about these narratives all we want. Basically, what it comes down to is there is a certain uncertainty with Austin Eckler. If you are not comfortable taking it, maybe you should bump up Kalen Blage and Justin Jackson. If you want to play it the other way and you think Anthony Lynn maybe needs to coach for his job and Eckler plays a full allotment of snaps, well, then Eckler is a fantastic play. It's all about uncertainty and how much you want to take on. For sure. I'd like to believe that Austin Eckler is smart enough to know whether or not he's good to go. So we'll leave it at that. Again, you make your own decisions. Do you have any other interest in the backfield for the Chargers? Because there's so many pieces to this offense. Man, it's super tough now with Balaj and Justin Jackson. When they were running just a two backfield set, it was really easy to target the backup. They were always significantly underpriced because this backup role is likely going to see somewhere between eight and 12 touches. It still is seeing eight and 12 touches. Now it's just split between Balaj and Justin Jackson. Last week, Justin Jackson has six opportunities, three carries, three targets. Balage has eight. So, I mean, it's you can play one of them. It wouldn't be shocking if one of them gets in the end zone. And in the situation that Eckler is limited and maybe he plays less of a role, there could be some value on one of these guys. They are tournament plays to me. All right, so as it stands, who are your top options from the Chargers side of the football? And, of course, we're going to talk Herbert in just a second, but your skill position players – who are your top options right now, assuming everyone's active? Assuming everyone's active, I think Eckler's my number one. Keenan Allen would be number two. Mike Williams, three. Hunter Henry is four. Assuming okay. everybody's active in their given roles. Okay. And then assuming that Allen is out, we already talked about it. Mike Williams gets vaulted to the top, um, right? Uh, if yep. both of them are out, if, if, if one of them is out, Guyton benefits either way. But uh, if both of them are out, K.J. Hill also becomes – uh, spectacular option. I don't think I'm missing anything, right? No, dude, you hit everything. All right. How about Justin Herbert? Uh, if you're paying for him, you're, or if you're playing him, you're going to be paying for him. He's the most expensive player on the slate. 17, seven at captain 11, eight in the flex. It's doable. It's not like the 22,000 Dalvin cook or whatever we saw earlier in the season, but uh, he is going to cost you. Yeah. And I think he's fine. He prior to last week, he was averaging North of 300 passing yards per game. So now he's falling just short of that. The stats are all there. The volumes there, the pass attempts are certainly going to be there with LA running the fastest offense in football. And then you want to talk matchups. LA is bottom 10 in yards per attempt allowed. They're not going to be playing with Damon Arnett or Jonathan Abram. Those are two starters in the secondary. They're also without pass rusher Clellan Farrell. So it's a strong matchup for Justin Herbert. I think either way, whether he has Keenan Allen or not, there's a lot of advantages to take with this L or with this Las Vegas secondary that's banged up. By the way, uh, I appreciate diverse opinions in chat. So, you know, just because we bring something up on the show uh, doesn't mean either of us are being assholes, but more so it makes for good conversation. There are times where I'm an asshole. Totally understood. (laughs) Not really Matt. Most of the time, Matt's a pretty good guy. Uh, But you know, there are certain things that if you see it uh, and you think it could make for you know, good conversation in terms or good dialogue and figuring out which way someone wants to go and you bring up an opinion that I agree with or disagree with, uh, all of that's great. But Sway says everyone needs a stand on this slate. If fading Eckler is it, go for it. And then he says, I won't join now. But yeah, <laughs> every, everyone, need, everyone needs to take a stand, right? And if that's your stand, if that's your feel, if you think you have the finger on the pulse of Anthony Lynn, which, God, good luck, uh, then I get it. But um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm of the thinking right now that, that if Eckler plays, uh, he knows his body and, and is hopefully going to be okay. But even Matt has a different opinion. He thinks, hey, Anthony Lynn might be um, starting him because, well, they, uh, they, they, he, he wants to save his job. I don't know. I think the writing's on the wall there, but we'll see, Matt. Any thoughts on the Chargers? Excuse me. Any thoughts on the Chargers defense uh, or on the kicking situation here? Who's their kicker? Badgley? Yeah, Badgley's, I mean, I don't know if you and I should talk kickers anymore. Every time we talk about kickers, oh, we're horrible. like, yeah, it goes, it goes poorly. 
I'm we more need interested. AB in here to talk kickers. Yeah, we need AB. Get him on the horn. I think. <laughs> I think uh, kickers are a little more viable in low-scoring environments. This doesn't project to be that, but if you want to take a contrarian approach, kickers always make some sense. The Chargers DST does make a little bit of sense for me. They've actually played quietly fairly decent, and particularly against the pass. I think you would need, honestly, the Chargers probably to get ahead in this game because L.A. is, excuse me, I keep saying L.A. Las Vegas is one of the run-heaviest teams in football. They're top 10 in run rate. So I think you likely need negative game script from the Raiders in order to realize a ceiling out of the Chargers defense. With that said, the spread is close. It's a field goal. So you could put some Chargers into your contrarian lineups. All right. Yeah, this is uh, kickers in a 53-point total game, unless you think that it's going to go under. And if that's the case, you're going to want to make some decisions that also impact that. Like, you know, if you're going with a kicker, you might not want to go full onslaught of quarterbacks and, and wide receivers either. Uh, you might want to look into the running games on both sides, which leads us to the Las Vegas Raiders, Matt. Uh, but first, you guys have heard about it. If you're new to the channel, you haven't. Uh, for one- Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We're doing all of our NBA content. All of it. Everything from now all the way through the 29th of December for one single dollar using the promo code Caruso, C-A-R-U-S-O. If you go to awesomemode.com slash join, use that promo code at checkout. Or if you go to the site, you'll see the promo option right there. For one dollar, you get everything for the preseason. And then the entire first week of the regular season. That includes the ownership projections, the player projections, the boom or bust tool, uh, the lineup builder, the daily strategy videos, the prop betting tool. That's an insane amount of value for the $1. We want you guys to see what we have to offer because we think you're going to enjoy it and it's going to help you win. And if it doesn't, you only spend a dollar. You won't even notice it's gone. So $1, use the promo code Caruso at checkout. It's good through the 29th, but get in on it now if you like playing other sports. Or even if you want to try NBA, get in on it now because you get everything for preseason, again, and then the entire first week. So all of the premium content, we charge a lot more than a dollar for, for a weekly pass, you get it for one buck using Caruso. And we should all be pretty stoked that NBA season is right around the corner. Of course, we have other packages, whether it's annual, weekly, monthly, all access, MMA, PGA, Uh, NFL, MLB, NBA, all of that stuff in one. You can get all of that with the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, which is immensely important if you're playing multiple lineups every week. Uh, Or you could just do single sport, weekly, monthly. And whatever you want to do, we got something for all of your budgets. We even have an express pass for $3.95 a week that gives you every single showdown slate and a bunch of main slate content. But, hey, with Friday football, this December coming up, or with uh, Christmas coming up with Saturday football, if you do that weekly pass now at $3.95, you're getting a ton of showdown content. So, again, there's something for anyone. Check it out. And feel free to DM me on Twitter. They are open. I will answer questions if you have them. All right, Matt, let's jump over to the other side of this. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, three-point favorites. Again, 53-point total. Josh Jacobs, Alex Baker, you know, number one-ranked DFS player, creates these tools, ownership, the top plays tool, all of that. And he currently has um, he currently has Josh Jacobs with the highest top play probability. So the highest probability to finish number one on this slate at 17.7%. But his captain ownership is only 9%, and his utility ownership is only 34%. What am I missing here? You're not missing anything, and I don't need to explain this. Alex has already done it through his projections. Josh Jacobs is a phenomenal play. He's under-owned, and he's underpriced given his role in this Las Vegas offense. 
in their most recent games, Josh Jacobs, not only has he been banged up, but they got a negative game script against the Colts last week, lost that game by two scores. Now Josh Jacobs projects to play against the Chargers, a poor run defense that is bottom five in yards allowed per rush attempt as a favorite. And when Josh Jacobs has these games, we've seen enormous touch potential out of him. I know that Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard have played a larger role recently. I think that has more to do with injury than anything to Josh Jacobs, but he's another week removed from that injury. The workload for him is massive. Everything just stands out for Jacobs in this spot to have a large game. And when we see ownership not reflected, I'm very interested in Jacobs at the captain. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing the ownership way down. Look, if that comes in even remotely close to where it is right now, given his top play probability, um, I, I don't. It's going to be really tough to to get away from that. And you know, maybe like I, okay. So put it this way, Matt. Right now, ownership is at both quarterbacks around sixty percent. Eckler is almost fifteen percent higher than Josh Jacobs, and. While Josh Jacobs does not have that same pass catching upside and with Jalen Richard back in the lineup, he even got some, some opportunities last game. He's going to see some, some of those, but Jacobs did see five targets last game, which is better than you could expect for most weeks. And he's now seen three plus targets in a uh, six, seven, eight in 10 games this year. So while he's not an Austin Eckler type pass catching back, we shouldn't ignore the fact that Jacobs could have four or five targets again today. If he hauls in three or four or even five of them, you're in business on top of the immense volume that he gets in positive game scripts, which he has not been in the last two weeks. Yeah, he's a completely fine play. I'm going to take a long look at him in captain. I'm certainly going to be playing him in utility slot. I like Jacobs a lot, given the ownership. Do you have, while we're on the running back conversation, and we want to talk about every cheap guy available here. Not every cheap guy, right? Like, we're not going to talk uh, about, but, you know, I, I'm Zay Jones, unless you're interested. <laughs> but uh, the the running backs here, it, it gets pretty ugly pretty fast. Jalen Richard is really cheap. He had two attempts. He did have five targets last game. But once again, they were playing with a significant deficit. Uh, and Devontae Booker, now that now that uh, Josh Jacobs is back, I am entirely uninterested, but he was also targeted three times. So between those three backs, they had 13 targets. Expect much less from that if they're playing in a neutral or favorable game script today. 100%. They have one of the lowest pass rates in football. They're a slower offense. I'm more likely to target a Chargers backup runner than a Raiders backup runner. Yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, this is pretty ugly. If if it was metaphorical gun to the head, which one am I going with? It's Jalen Richard because the the Raiders have played pretty bad football lately, right? And if they if they do happen to fall behind, I would anticipate Jalen Richard being in there on on more downs than you would expect. So uh, again, five targets last game. This is not saying that I like him. Uh, a matter of fact, it's the furthest thing from the truth, Matt. But if you're forced and you're trying to go different somewhere and, and, and you're playing for a certain game script, Rashard played 31% of snaps, second to Josh Jacobs last week. If they're not in a favorable game script, he could get five or six targets. And you know as well as I do. It's a huge if, but if a running back at almost minimum salary gets five or six targets in a showdown game, it could result in, in, in getting you seven, eight, ten fantasy points and being in the winning lineup. But once again, very, very low likelihood that this happens. We got to cover everything. I'm with you exactly. I would prefer Jalen Richard in the situation too. I think there's just more upside with him given the potential for a negative game script. Devontae Booker, I think, is locked into his role one way or another. All right. So, uh, man, we're covering everything. This is just some solid work by you, Matt. Let's go to the pass catchers. Darren Waller, you said before the show, Darren Waller goes for two or 32. And obviously that was a bit hyperbolic, but it is true that, when, that he's had a couple monster games and then a bunch of games, he's just underwhelming, but all in all, he is clearly the best pass catching option with the highest ceiling on this team. And his target, his volume of targets is massive when they're playing from behind, when they're playing from ahead or in a neutral game script, he's at least getting between six and nine but 27 over the last two games. I just want to temper expectations a little bit because they lost. They, they got absolutely crushed. Um, or I'm sorry, they got crushed. Uh, they beat the Jets, but they were playing from behind. And then they got crushed by Atlanta in week 12. 
and got crushed by Indianapolis last week. So I forgot about that Jets game, but you know where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. Darren Waller's fine. I, I was making the joke about his his box scores, but his volume is consistent. Oh, yeah. While the, the box scores might not be, I think that's more of a product of Derek Carr than it is Waller himself because Waller receives phenomenal opportunity. You just need to treat him like a wide receiver one. And is his target share all that different from Keenan Allen's? No, it's actually not. Darren Waller has a 27.9% target share. Keenan Allen has a 28% target share. Again, we need to think about the raw offenses a little bit. LA is just going to throw a little bit more one way or another. So I still prefer Keenan Allen, but Darren Waller, if you're stacking with Derek Carr, he's pretty clearly the number one option. And he's a, a pretty close second as far as just pass catchers go on this slate to Keenan Allen, in my opinion. All right. So aside from Waller, you have Nelson Aguilar, my nemesis. He has no idea who he is, who I, who I am. Sorry. In Philly, he had no idea who he was either. But he has no idea who I am. And you don't want to find out, Nelson. That's not true. I'm sure I'd shake his hand and say, Thank you for your time in Philadelphia. But I'm not talking to him right now, Matt, and I'd prefer to uh, not talk about him at all. But guess what? It sickens me that he's actually had some considerable upside with the Raiders this season. And when it comes to – someone mentioned in chat, Derek Carr doesn't throw deep often, but when he does, Nelson Aguilar is getting a lot of those looks. Well, you would not be wrong about that, especially now that Henry Ruggs is on the COVID-19 reserve list. We have to talk about Aguilar, and it's amazing – Amazing to think that he is in the captain spot, $11,100. Amazing. I know, man. I never thought we were going to get to this point. The former first round pick, Nelson Aguilar. But here we are. He has target counts of nine, six, 11, and nine in four straight games. That's really good. Like you mentioned with Waller, I think we need to factor in not only the Jets, but the negative game script from last week. Aguilar, I think, will probably slot in somewhere between like six and nine targets overall as a median projection. And with that, he's still a pretty good play. He's priced appropriately a little discount off Waller as the number one receiver in this offense, wide receiver that is not number one pass catcher. He's behind Waller in that regard. But because of that, I think he's an appropriate play and appropriate price. I think everything here is warranted. If you want to take a stand on Aguilar, I think go for it. All right. So do you have anything else? And I think so too, because it's not like he's just a someone, to be honest, he he's not really in a Henry Rugg situation where Ruggs needed and it's crazy to say this, Matt. You know, he's the first wide receiver off the board in the draft, which I think we'd all agree was not the wisest decision by the Raiders, but they like fast. Uh, he's actually getting a decent amount of targets recently. Early in the season, it was basically if he catches one of his three targets for a touchdown, that's good, but it's too risky. Over his last four games, and again, some of them playing from behind, nine, six, 11, and nine targets for Nelson Aguilar. That is extraordinarily significant. Uh, for someone that is outside of Darren Waller going to be their top pass catcher. Yeah, for sure. So with all that said, I think you can play Aguilar just fine. Uh, Who do you think the Henry Ruggs, I guess I was going to say injury, COVID-19 reserve list, Henry Ruggs is on that. He's not injured. Who does that benefit the most? Um, Alec Engel. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My guy, man, my guy. I know he is. I know. All right, let's break that down. We already talked about Waller and and Aguilar. Both of them are fine either way. Um, But, okay, so Hunter Renfro is, what, going to give you between five and seven targets likely? And, you know, just taking a guess here, but that's very close to what we've seen. Uh, Is it someone that's going to get targeted much downfield? Isn't going to see many red zone targets at all? Only two touchdowns on the season on his 47 receptions and 63 looks. I mean, it's got to be Renfro, right? I think so, too. I would give Renfro a slight bump, and that probably makes him a little bit underpriced. Is there anyone else you like as a pass catcher? I think Brian Edwards has to play more just out of necessity. I People will probably go to Brian Edwards a lot, and he only played a few more snaps than Zay Jones, so that doesn't really inspire any confidence. And honestly, I think there's a chance that the Raiders here go to more 12 personnel. For whatever reason, they continue to throw Jason Witten onto the field. And I'm not sure why, because they have Foster Moreau on the team as well, who actually, I believe Foster Moreau had seven touchdowns last year. Like the dude actually has some chops, but they continue to play Witten. Last week specifically, Moreau already played 13 snaps. Witten played 20, and that was with Waller playing almost in every down roll. So this is a team that will use some weird personnel packages. I wouldn't be surprised to just see more 12 personnel with Witten 
and Moreau. And then it's funny you mentioned Alec Ingold. Like Alec Ingold is not a play on this slate whatsoever, but he plays some snaps. And that takes away snaps from the third wide receiver on the Raiders. And I think it just makes Edwards a little more volatile. All right. Well, this is going to make me disgusted because I promised you we weren't going to talk about it. Uh, I didn't make any promises, actually. I just insinuated. Is Zay Jones someone that can be rostered? I mean, I think he could be rostered on just like a hope and a prayer. Honestly, Zay Jones and Brian Edwards, both, they essentially split time last week in a rotational role behind Aguilar, Ruggs, and Renfro. And the Raiders are a team that typically do not run their wide receivers on every single snap. Even Nelson Aguilar last week in a game with severe negative game script played on 45 of 68 snaps. That means there's just naturally going to be some snaps for guys like Zay Jones and for guys like Brian Edwards. So at the stone min on a normal slate, you can throw a, a dart throw at them. Now Here's we are going to, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, we're going to see the, one of them at least play an elevated role. And I think likely both of them come in with snaps north of what they saw last week. Who would you rather have? They're all separated by two to $400. Jalen Richard, $1,200 in the utility, Foster Moreau at 1000 or Zay Jones at 800 I can't I do Brian Edwards. Off. What? I can't do Brian Edwards. Um, no, because he's 400 This is like in a range oh. where they're all oh, okay. separated by $400. Man, I think probably – it's really hard. I, I don't think there's a ceiling with Richard, even in negative game scripts. Like he's, he's probably capped Moreau, I think is capped by the presence of Jason Witten. And of course, Waller and Zay Jones, honestly, I probably has the largest ceiling, but it's extremely volatile. I think Richard is the safest. If you're in low risk, you play him. If you're looking for a ceiling in large field, it's probably Zay Jones. And I feel horrible about saying that. All right. So basically just close your eyes and, and hope one of them works out when you click them and Hopefully you don't misclick to Devontae Booker. What about Der- uh, Derek Carr? You know now, this is insane. Do you know now he's been in tournament winning lineups for back-to-back weeks? I did not know that. He won the, He won big large field tournaments. He has been uh, first place. And actually, if you look just like at the top 100, Derek Carr scattered all about the top 100 in these big large field tournaments uh, each of the last two weeks. Uh, it's honestly not that surprising considering the game script they were in. I mean, going into the week, now that's a different thing when you're talking about predicting it ahead of time. I think the Raiders do need to be a negative game script for Carr to realize his ceiling. They're a run first team. They're they're 16th in overall play volume. They're 24th in pass rate. So this is a team that largely is operating through the run when they can play their way. When other teams are playing from ahead and the Raiders are trailing, I think that's when Carr really sees an increase in volume. And by the way, Sway makes a good point, which is why there's no need to spend a ton of time on it. He said Ruggs was only getting an 8% target share. I, I, maybe that's what it was. I'm not sure exactly what his target share was. Not much is really opening up. You were right, but on a showdown slate, if it puts someone else on the field, that is the important part. Uh, less the less the, the historical volume and more, is he on the field that at least gives him a chance to do something on these single-game slates where – our options are very limited. And yes, Ruggs has been playing 60 plus percent of snaps every single week. So it will open something up for someone to at least be on the field to hopefully make one or two plays. Uh, okay. Kicker, anything here, a kicker or uh, the Raiders defense for you, Carlson, 3,600 Raiders at 3000. Yeah. It's the same deal with the LA kicker in defense. I think, the kickers are fine. Low scoring environment's a little bit better. So if you think it goes under, that's just the stance you're taking. Carlson's fine to slot into lineups. I won't have a ton of him, but I'll have a little bit. As far as the Raiders defense, they're hurt. They don't have Abraham, they don't have Jonathan Abram, they don't have Damon Arnett, Cleland Farrell, among a few others that have already been on an injured reserve. So I think it's going to be a tough get for the Raiders here. Luckily, they're projected to play from ahead in this game. And the Chargers throw the ball a ton. So turnover opportunities are been there. Justin Herbert's actually been pretty good for a rookie taking care of the ball. So I don't think they're a preferred play. But if you end up with him in some contrarian builds, I'm not opposed to that. Coming up after this, it's the matchup show for Sunday. It's going to be good. Matt Savoka joined by Greg Ehrenberg. Uh, I actually won't be on that show, but Greg does a fantastic job uh, and will fill in admirably. So be sure to check that out. They're going over every game for Sunday. Uh, and it is one way, one of the best ways to get yourself ready for the slate. 
And remember, all these shows we do that aren't live before lock that actually have a shelf life, you can listen to all of them in podcast form. Each and every one of them, whether you go to Apple iPod, uh, um, Podcasts or you go to Spotify, again, anywhere where they have podcasts available, we've got you covered. And if you want to check out free content on the site today, the NFL Top Stacks tool and the NFL Showdown rankings uh, are both entirely free. So if you're not a paid sub, check that out. And remember, when, while you're there, just use that $1 promo code for Caruso. I mean, why not? Get all of our NBA content, everything premium through the 29th of December. You ready to build a lineup and close this one out, Matt? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. All right. So um, usually, you know, usually I throw you in the spot to start it off. I'll start it off with a captain and we'll go, we'll go back and forth here. Do we want to work under the assumption that everyone is active? I think we should do that. Yeah. Okay. So working on the assumption that everyone's active, I'm going to go with someone that both you and I recognize the discrepancy in the ownership in the top plays tool. And I think we throw Josh Jacobs in there and say, hey, there's there's real opportunity here. That was going to be my choice as well. I love it. Perfect. And he's not that expensive. Uh, you're saving like $4,000 in the captain spot from him over a guy like Herbert. What are we doing at the flex? I would like to get to Justin Herbert in this situation. The volume will be there. The injuries on the Las Vegas defense line up for Herbert to have production, even if the injuries end up coming to fruition. Okay. So you said Herbert, sorry? Yes. All right. I will go with, what do we have left? We have 62.50 remaining. Oh, and we have Jacobs. We have Herbert. Well, I think if Mike Williams plays, the, the thing about Mike Williams is he always – for. I love Mike Williams for showdown slates. Matt, I love him for showdown slates because he can he can break this slate with one play. But I also think Hunter Henry at his price point is pretty appealing as well. Uh, and maybe you get that, that first rogue two touchdown game from him. I'm going to throw Derrick Henry in at $5,800. Or sorry, <laughs> Hunter Henry, not Derrick Henry. He was also going to be my next choice for all the same right. reasons you laid out. So we're, we're in lockstep here. All right. That might not be a good th- Actually, no, this is not. I guarantee right now this, even this start alone is not going to be close to one of the chalkiest. Uh, people hate playing Hunter Henry, but he's still going to get a little bit of ownership. What are you doing next? We have 6,400 remaining per three players. I think we'll probably need to open some salary given what we already did. So I think your punt play in this situation, given that we are expecting everyone to play, is Jalen Guyton. He's the preferred punt the cheapest player that will be on the field for nearly every single snap. And in our current build, this will give us a double stack with Justin Herbert and negative game script projected with Josh Jacobs being our captain and the Chargers playing from behind force to throw the ball. I like it. And remember, remember, this is also assuming, as you just said, that everyone is active. If not, everything changes. But this is just an idea of what lineups look like. Matt, I've told you lately that there are lineups that are winning with a running back and then a wide receiver, same team stack without a quarterback. In showdown, I have no problem doing that. What I'm going to do is throw Darren Waller in here. He's a target monster, uh, and I think Darren Waller has a better chance of paying off without Derek Carr because it's very possible that he could see 11 targets and eight receptions. Maybe he only has, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown, but that's still big at that salary. The PPR points will be huge. And I don't think, I know for a fact, Derek Carr doesn't need a big game for Darren Waller to have a big game. So we have 7,000 remaining. I just plugged him in. And now we get in no man's land. We get Mike Williams. Yeah, I guess so. So we've got, what, three pass catchers for the Chargers. So this right now is assuming that, that the Chargers are playing from behind pretty much. Yeah, here's a 2v2 you could do. So, I mean, I I like the one we have a little bit more because I, I do think Mike Williams, for the reasons you already mentioned, is a strong play on showdown. But if you wanted to swap out Waller and Williams, you could do a quick 2v2 Eckler to Hunter Renfro. Sorry, Hunter Renfro, and that would leave you 1,200 on the board. And I think it's a viable swap. And now you just have two pass catchers with Herbert, the runner as well, and you still target a Las Vegas pass catcher in Renfro. I obviously think the... Projection here is a little bit worse given Renfro's target share is a fraction of Waller's, but it's a potential 2v2. Okay. I'm fine with that too. You could also go uh, Nelson Aguilar and, oh no, that actually won't get you where you needed to go. I thought it would. Um, 
Yeah. Put you in a weird spot. All right. So it would be Waller, Mike Williams, which would be Jacobs, Herbert, Henry, Guyton, Waller, Williams, or you said Eckler and Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Okay. I got no problem with either of them. That looks good to me. Yeah, me too. I love Jacobs as the captain, man. Under-owned, high chance of being the top scorer. Sweet. Yeah, and outside of that, I mean, if Keenan Allen is out, I don't know what ownership's going to look like, but Mike Williams' captain, just, like, I'm a sucker for that monster ceiling, Matt. I'm a sucker for it. I played him. I played him the last time he was on a showdown slate. I think he was the optimal captain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, Keenan Allen got hurt. Right. Ah, so Remember, we Keenan ran, we ran hot a little bit there. Yeah, Allen got hurt and left the game, and Williams had two of the most insane catches you'll ever see, and like triple coverage, landed flat on his back, and had the wind <laughs> knocked out of him, and still held on to. I don't know, it's insane. Anyway, stick around for the matchup show coming up next. Greg Ehrenberg uh, going to be joined by Matt Savoka. Great analysis for both of those guys. Matt will be back with Kyle Dvorak this afternoon. If you like Fanduel, you're looking for some specific plays. It's straight Fanduel plays across the board. They're going to take you uh, through the entire slate on Fanduel, and then live before lock and live before live before lock coming up tonight. So we've got everything you need to cover this slate and so much more. MMA shows coming up as well. Just check it out. You know where to find us. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up. We'll see you back here soon. And of course, thanks to Jordan Klein for producing the show. Uh, Cue that Christmas music, fella. Let's get out of here. have a 401k you're not getting the most for retirement wait what add a Robinhood ira on top then they'll boost it by three percent you can do that and if you transfer in any retirement account you get three percent on top of that is there a limit to the match no limit Robinhood gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any ira on the market sign up for Robinhood gold at robinhood.com boost by april 30th subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Robinhood financial llc member sipc his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.